Well, welcome again, and my thanks to Rachel and Brenda and our music team and everyone making worship possible this morning. We continue our series in the book of Acts, entitled Fired Up, as we look at the Spirit in our lives and living victorious lives. This morning, we're looking at empowered living, and we are in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 12, and this morning, we're in the city of Ephesus. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we're looking at empowered living this morning as we continue the series, Fired Up, in the book of Acts. And I don't know, did anyone... Watch the Purdue game yesterday. Yeah, it's so nice when it's close and you win versus when it's close and you, and you lose, right? And uh, we all like to be victorious. And, and it's interesting because uh, we sort of designed the schedules that way. And uh, we had homecoming not that long ago. And I, I was talking to Paul on the soundboard there uh, a couple weeks ago. And he was talking about the IU homecoming game. And I said, well, who are they playing? And he said, Michigan. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, who, who designed that schedule? Was either someone really, really positive or just oblivious to football? And he said, well, we're going to go and have fun anyway. Of course, Michigan, one of the powerhouses in the nation, and certainly the, the Big Ten. And he said, well, we're just going to have fun. But, you, you know, the truth is we, we love to win. We love IU, too. So, uh, and uh, Purdue certainly struggled those first two games. And it's struggled since, but it's so much better when you win, when you're victorious. And you can even notice, it, it's interesting, you could turn the sound off, and you could, you could remove the scoreboard, but if you look at the body language of the people, could you not tell where they were winning or losing? I, I mean, the, the, it just changes so fundamentally. And I remember those first two games, I was there, and, and um, it, we'd win, and then it was like, you know, the other team, go, and you could just see it in people just going down, and then when Purdue scored, this woman that I didn't even know, she, she turned around and we both high-fived each other like we were long-lost friends, Right. And, uh, and you can see in the team, you can see sort of the victory dance, right? I don't know if you have a victory dance, and you can see it in the crowd, sort of this victory dance. And, you know, I think that's sort of a backdrop for, for life. We like to be victorious. We face challenge and obstacle in life, and you want to know, what is, what is the key to victorious living? And I think in the book of Acts, we really see the keys to victorious living, and it really centers around the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we look at the Scripture this morning, and we're in Ephesus. And of course, as I said, uh, we've been looking at three questions as we go through the book of Acts. What is your level of passion as we look at those stories? You can ask them, what, are the, what is their level of passion? But what is our level of passion? What 
are the gifts that you have to share. We all have gifts. So what are those gifts that you have to share to bless the church family and to bless the community in which we live? And then what is your level of resilience? How are you bouncing back after you face challenge and adversity, even in the midst of, of battle? And so it's so relevant as we look at this book. This morning, we look at this chapter in Paul in Ephesus. And so Paul is on this second missionary journey. And we've had some exciting stops along the way. We talked about Paul stopping in the second missionary journey, remember, at the city of Thessalonica. Uh, incredible city. We've got pictures of that. And, and Paul is accused, as well as the disciples there with him, of turning the world upside down. And I said, that's a challenge for all of us, to turn the world upside down in a good way. To turn the world upside down in terms of the values that we live by, the values that we work for, and the excitement with which we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And then Paul, of course, was in Athens, and we looked at Paul in the marketplace of ideas, as Paul was willing to debate in the culture of the day without a lot of the church speak, right? He just spoke to uh, people who were followers of Socrates and the Esthenes and all these different philosophies of the day. And Paul was able to share his faith in a way that people could, could debate. And I said, today we're really, it's like we're in Athens, right? We're in this marketplace of ideas. People that, a lot of people didn't grow up in the church, and so can you share your faith in a way that's not just church speak? And when we're church together, that's fine, but what about in the marketplace of ideas, and the culture around us. And then we were in Corinth, right, last week, and we looked at Corinth and the things that God was doing there and the true wisdom of God and how God is, is at work and the power of the resurrection, how the resurrection is central. It's a linchpin to the Christian faith and the promise that we have and empowers us to live. And so this morning we're in Ephesus, right? And so we're told that Priscilla and Aquila came in contact with Apollos, who became one of the most eloquent, became a bishop in that area, and you can still see his name in, uh, engraved in the churches of different bishops, and, and there's Apollos. And how through circumstances that God worked, they were, because of Claudius, there was an edict that all the Jews had to leave Rome, and Priscilla and Aquila went to Corinth, and in outside Corinth, they were tent makers. They met Paul, who was also a tent maker, who was a leather worker. And Paul began to share the gospel with them, and for a year, for, uh, for three years, he was there. And they became not only believers, but they became sort of co-pastors and changed the world. And I said, I, I believe that Aquila, rather Priscilla, is the one who wrote the book of Hebrews, a dynamic woman in the early church. And they came in contact with a man by the name of Apollos, very eloquent, believer, but then he needed to straighten around it. And he had the ability to listen to Paul and Aquila and Priscilla, and his belief became great, became a great and powerful speaker in the culture of the day. And so Paul has got the church in Corinth going. He goes on to Ephesus. He feels confident about the people who've developed over those years. They were willing to, to learn and to grow, and they took on leadership positions and were able to do great things. In our own life, we need to do the same thing, to, to learn and to grow in discipleship, and God can use us in ever-expanding ways. And so Paul is able to go on to Ephesus, and what happens at Ephesus? Paul arrives there, and he, he meets a group of people who are believers, right? And Paul asks them if they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And what do they say? We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Wow. And so Paul tells them about Jesus Christ. They said they've been baptized in John's baptism, baptism of repentance, and Paul talks about how Jesus was the fulfillment of that, lays his hands on them, and prays, and they have an upper room experience, just like in the beginning of Acts, just in like Acts chapter 2, and God begins to do powerful things there as Paul is there for a year and a half. But I want to push pause for a moment right there, where Paul asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, 
we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say, I think a lot of people would say, that's the church today. I'm going to say that again. That's the church today. We've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Oh, I know. We do Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you know, we talk a lot about God the Father, God the creator of all that is. We know very intimately Jesus Christ, for that is God in human form as Christ came to us in Bethlehem, grew in God in Logos, in human form, giving us the message of Christ, laid down his life on Calvary, was raised to new life. We have the promise of the resurrection and the fulfillment of, of grace and forgiveness in our lives, really the most important part of the Christian faith. But then there's the Holy Spirit, which is like, what are you talking about the Holy Spirit? The church has failed in that area, may I say, and we have failed to learn and understand the Holy Spirit because, friends, really, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are sort of like the two arms of God the Father reaching around us, God our Creator reaching around us in love. And if you fail to understand both Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you sort of miss some of the things. So we're like that. Money in the church are like that today. And that's okay because we're on a journey of discipleship. So where are you with the Holy Spirit? I hope as we have gone through the book of Acts, the book of the Spirit, as Luke wants us to know, that you've discovered the power of the Holy Spirit that is with us, the things that the Spirit can do to encourage you. And so I want to just take a moment and recap the three things that I said at the beginning of this about what the Holy Spirit does. Do you remember them as we began the journey on the day of Pentecost? Three E's, to encourage, to enlighten, and to empower to encourage and to enlighten and empower. I'm sure you can see other people say different things. That's my central thing, and I think that really captures a lot of what God is doing. And the first thing is to, is to encourage. And I want to read the words of Jesus because I think that's the most important thing. And Jesus, in John 14, 15 through 17, says this in the promise of the Spirit. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word is paraclete, or support of the one who comes around. So paraclete is like, you think of parenthesis, something goes around, parabola, something goes around, supporter or helper, to help you, and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him or sees him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The promise that God is there to encourage us to wrap God's arms around us through the Holy Spirit. Do you ever need encouraging? I do. I do. As we face the challenges of life, I don't care. You know, some people are more upbeat than other people, but all of us, man, we do face real challenges in life. And you read the newspaper, and you know, it sort of like takes the air out of you, takes the wind out of you. You look around, but the Holy Spirit comes around us to encourage us in a, in a powerful and tangible way. And as we pray, you know, we pray that prayer to the Holy Spirit in our call to worship. I hope in your, your life you just open your life to that. Of course, the Spirit is mysterious, right? The Spirit is always likened to, to the wind and water, and you not know uh, where the wind comes from or where it goes, but you know the wind is there because you can feel the breeze in your life. It's so tangible, and it's powerful. So the Spirit is there to encourage us and the Spirit is there to enlighten us, to teach us all things. Listen to what Jesus promises in John 14, 25 through 27. All this I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled." 
and do not be afraid. The Spirit will teach us all things. Now, that doesn't mean you don't read and study. In fact, it means you read and study and ask the Spirit to guide you and lead you. And the Spirit will bring that to mind. And you see again and again, as, uh, of course, you see Paul and Timothy studying, but Paul has this confidence when he goes before Caesar, doesn't he? We're going to see that as we come to these concluding chapters of Acts. Paul has this promise that he's going to speak to the head of the Roman Empire and share his faith. And he doesn't know what the questions are. He knows the pressure is on, that he will likely lose his life for his witness. But Paul is confident that the Holy Spirit will not only encourage him, but will enlighten him, giving him words to speak in that moment, even as Paul has trusted the Holy Spirit in Thessalonica, Corinth, Athens, and here the city of Ephesus, and to which the book was written, the book of Ephesians. Do you need a little enlightenment? <laughs> you know, sometimes when you read God's Word, you think, man, where's the, you know, wow. Uh, and it isn't always a lightning bolt. Sometimes it's just the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's the whisper of the Holy Spirit in, in guidance and decision-making. You need some wisdom. Well, get a little bit of enlightenment from the Holy Spirit, right? The gift of wisdom. Or talk to someone who's got a little gift of wisdom. You recognize that. Or two or three of people that you believe and have some wisdom of years and wisdom of the Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit will enlighten you in that way. The Holy Spirit will guide you along the path and plan that God has for you in his life. So to enlighten and to encourage and finally to empower. Jesus says this in the beginning of the book of Acts. This is how it starts out. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And by the way, that verse is the roadmap of the book of Acts. That book, that verse is the roadmap of the book of Acts, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that word power is dunamis. They're where we get dynamite from. You have dynamite power. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Exactly the pattern of the book of Acts that they would fulfill. Man, if that doesn't get you a little excited and encouraged and empowered, then I don't know what will. I think all of us need some power, some dynamite power now and then as we try to live our life. And many times we try to live our life on our own, don't we? With our own energy. And every day we face things. You get up, if you're like me, have a cup of coffee, <laughs> devotions. And then you get into the day and there's things happening and a lot of needs around you. And you begin to kind of wane in, in your power, right? Uh, power in a, in a good way. And so Paul would whisper to us, like he did the Ephesians, Listen, the Holy Spirit is there to encourage, enlighten, and empower you, to give you the power to do what? To love and serve God and to love and serve our neighbor, to share the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. How are you doing with knowing the Holy Spirit? And by knowing, I mean experiencing the Holy Spirit to encourage, to enlighten, and to empower. Well, I challenge you to read the rest of this great chapter in Acts. They're all great. Acts chapter 19. But I want to just share with you some of the things that happened as they lived out that power, right? And so the first thing is that people whose lives were changed, there are a number of people who are practicing magic, sort of, if you want to call it, I don't want to call it black magic, but bad magic, okay? Bad magic. And uh, the kind that just sort of enslaves people. And, and Paul didn't really say anything about that, but they were convicted. And they gathered together all these magic books, right? And they, they burned them. Now, we're not talking about good books, so don't get me wrong. I know, you know, some people go off the, off the road on that, but we're talking about, you know, really negative stuff. And they burned them. And we're told that it was worth 50,000 drachma. 
minimum. Now, a drachma was a day's wages. So whatever your day's wages are, okay, multiply that 50,000. I mean, that's in the millions, okay? All that. Now, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't sell it on eBay, you know? They didn't sell it on eBay and donate to charity or anything like that. They went like, no, this isn't going to impact someone's life in a negative way. We're going to stop this right here, right now, because it's destructive. We're going to just burn it. And they, and they burned it. And let me just ask you, is there something in your life you need to get rid of? Is there something that's holding you back? I don't care if it's a reading material or whatever it is. Is there something that's holding you back that you need the Holy Spirit to nudge you and say, you need to get rid of that? Don't, like, pass it on to somebody else. Get rid of it. I don't know if you burn it. I don't know. Whatever it is. You know, there's lots of reading material that's pretty negative. I'm not talking about the classics or anything like that, but you know what I'm talking about. Things that destructive or maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, negative movies, whatever it is. Is there something in your life that you need to just get rid of? Do what the Ephesians did. Get rid of it. However you do that. You don't have to burn it in the middle of somewhere, but they were just, you know, all, this is valuable stuff they put out there. And then they were turning the world upside down. I'm going to say it again. They were turning the world upside down so much that there was this huge temple here, the temple to Artemis, still there to this day, this great goddess. And, and Artemis was the big goddess of Ephesus, right? And uh, the silversmith, people who are workers of silver, there's a great silver over there today. You still see the craftsmen doing this stuff. They were upset because it's hurting their pocketbooks, right? People were no longer buying the little idols for Artemis. And so they started a riot. The silversmiths got together, Demetrius, one of them, the leader, and they started a riot to get rid of Paul and, and all the, the believers there. And it was, it was for hours, right? And then they even dragged Paul before, yelling, great is Artemis of Ephesus. And that was the big riot. And they brought him before council. And then the council person just said, this is, this is not legal stuff. Get out of here. So anyway, God was leading. But the point is they were turning the world upside down, starting with their own life, starting with their own life, not through their own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you at getting rid of the things that hold you back and hold your family back so you can follow God in a way that is really passionate, that is using your gifts and talents, that is full of the power of the Spirit that gives you resilience to face the challenges and obstacles of today? I think Paul would whisper to us that if we were like the Ephesians and we open our hearts and lives to the power of the Holy Spirit, that we discover a new dimension of enlightenment, encouragement, and empowerment that would change our lives and help us to turn our lives upside down and turn the world around us upside down as well. Well, it's interesting because when you look at the book of Acts, I hope as you've looked, I've tried to, when they visit a city, I've tried to use a letter from that city. And this morning we look at the book of Ephesians. Now, what is the theme of the book of Ephesians. Remember when I did the series on the book of Ephesians? But the book of Acts helps us to sort of put these all in context, real places. The theme of the book of Ephesians is victorious Christian living. You read it. It has this dynamic imagery of, and it closes with this soldier and the weapons of faith as we go into battle. And so Paul, when he first comes in the book of Acts to these people of Ephesus, and he begins to talk to them, they're sort of living, living this anemic life, right? They're weak. And they, we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Is there such a Holy Spirit? And then, wow, they open their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and His saving grace, and then they open their hearts and lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. 
and they're enlightened, encouraged, and empowered. And then Paul writes them a letter to encourage them about the dynamic living that they're doing. And, and you look at this um, letter that we just read here, and it says this, In Christ we have also, this is the beginning, obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were first to set our hope on Christ might live to his praise and glory. And him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is our pledge of inheritance towards redemption as God's own people, the praise of his glory. And that's how it starts out, and it just keeps building from there until it ends up where Paul is saying, soldier up with this imagery of this Roman soldier and all the equipment that we have and through the power of the Holy Spirit to face the battles and challenges of the day. That's how we need to live today. Have you heard of the Holy Spirit? More importantly, have you opened your hearts and lives to the Holy Spirit? I'm going to close with this final illustration, which a friend of mine, Ron, Captain Ron from the Purdue Police Force, he's retired now. But whenever I come up against something that is difficult, you know, something needs to fix, and I don't have the tools, and I have okay number of tools, but he's got every tool in the world. I mean, I just can't believe the number of tools he has. So he just always says, well, come on over to, come on over to my garage, right? And he opens up all these different bays of tools. It's like unbelievable. But one of the things he has is hundreds of pneumatic tools. You know what I'm talking about? The good stuff. I mean, the really good stuff that it does the work for you, right? The little hammer that, you know, you don't have to hammer. It just does it. You just got to hold it there and it does it for you. And uh, even screwdrivers and all this kinds of things is just amazing. And, but the thing about the pneumatic tools is what? You got to plug them in to the pneumatic pressure tank, right? You need the power of that air that's built up there to run the pneumatic tools. And I think it's a great illustration of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that all of us have gifts and talents, all those things, hundreds of different pneumatic tools. But unless we're plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's useless. It just looks nice. It just lays there. But if you want it to be useful and empowered and do good things, right, you need to plug it in to the air. And pneuma, which is spirit, means air. Wow. Today, as you face the challenge and adversity of life, I challenge you to get plugged into the Holy Spirit. Like the Ephesians, to discover the power of empowered living, victorious Christian life through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to encourage us, to enlighten us, and to empower us. And if we do that, our lives will be changed and our world will be turned upside down. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we look at your book of Acts and discover the power of your Holy Spirit and your great love for us, we are challenged, Lord, to open our hearts and lives to your Spirit that empowers us like none other. So help us to open our hearts and lives to your Holy Spirit to have our lives turned upside down and to turn the world around us upside down as well. We place the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, amen.